Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast, live from the City AM offices in the Square Mile on what is by some distance the nicest day of the year. Blue skies, uh, albeit no necessarily blue skies, on the employment data which is out today. I'll be talking about that with Michael Hewson from CMC Markets in just a minute. But first, the corporate headlines, and it's sort of good news if solid news all round from some of Britain's biggest firms today. Vodafone confirmed that it was making strides in Germany as well as maximising shareholder returns through growth, pushing forward market consolidation ambitions. They've got eyes on deals, all of that, of course, with merger talks surrounding them, potential tie-up with three allegedly on the cards, or at least being considered. Elsewhere, Britvix saw sales shoot up uh, in the last year, but they warned that inflation very much on the way. And tech entrepreneur Vin Murrier making another run at MNC Saatchi in this long-running takeover saga. Now, Murrier, who is already a minority shareholder at the Adland giant, going above the heads of the board direct to shareholders with an offer, hoping to secure just enough of those shares that she doesn't need the board's uh, recommendation to grab the rest. So interesting corporate work at play. Perhaps more interestingly, though, than all of the corporate news, when we think about the wider world and what is to come, UBS this morning issuing a note on the crypto crash saying that investors should not be able to put a bottom on this, saying that this is not the moment really to be going into crypto and that we have no idea how far this volatile market might fall. Definitely one to watch, as is the windfall tax. Rishi Sunak today up in Parliament saying that while he was not minded to move in that direction just yet of whacking a massive tax on energy giants, that wasn't to say that he wouldn't in future. He said, look again, around June, July. Now, of course, that will coincide with yet another quarterly update from BP and Shell, amongst others, which will surely grow the headlines again. Um, so that's one to watch. Man who has very strong opinions on the windfall tax, which we've discussed at length before. Uh, views that I confess I share. Michael Hewson, uh, the Chief Market Analyst at CMC Markets, joining us as usual for his fortnightly hit. Michael, always a pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, good afternoon. Um, we are in the midst of um, a very busy week uh, for the Governor of the Bank of England in particular. Um, yesterday, he was up in front of the Treasury Select Committee talking about inflation, defending himself really in the bank's approach over the past however many months, um, notably impatient at some of the questioning, I thought. Um, today, we had jobs numbers. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we've got inflation figures and then more data out towards the rest of the week, which we'll come and talk about. Why don't we just, let's start with today before we look back at Bailey's uh, appearance yesterday. Let's look at those job figures and the wage figures in particular, because it suggests that the the labour market at least is is move is changing. Is changing. We are in unprecedented times. It's fairly tight. I mean you look at the unemployment number falling to three point seven percent. That's the lowest level since nineteen seventy four. Um and what was particularly notable, Andy, was the Office for National Statistics, easy for me to say. <laughs> went on to say that for the first time since records began, there are fewer, fewer unemployed people than there are job vacancies. So that suggests that the labour market is very, very tight. And we are starting to see evidence of that, certainly in the context of wages. And whatever Andrew Bailey says, and I've got to say that I think he really needs to go to public relations school when he talks to these people, is that actually higher wages are fairly welcome, particularly at a time uh, when the cost of living 
is getting more and more expensive. More importantly, food and energy is becoming more and more expensive. You know, and people are struggling to get by on a day-to-day basis. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure it's under the Bank of England's remit to be calling, you know, sort of talking about mm. whether or not people should be asking for above inflation pay rises. I mean, does he tell companies that they shouldn't be putting prices up by more than the rate of inflation? So what is he doing in telling people that they shouldn't be asking for above inflation pay rises? He should just basically plead the fifth on it. And I know I'm sort of, um, you know, sort of a, you know, referring to something that's not relevant to the UK legislature, but he shouldn't be commenting on the level of inflation. I think you're right there. And, you know, it doesn't (laughs) plead in the fifth is absolutely fine in this case, because, of course, that's what he does on a fairly regular basis when he's asked about what government should do. Yesterday in the Treasury Select Committee, Bailey managed to say um, and get the words out pretty often, saying, I'm not going to tell the government what to do. That's not my role. So, yeah, why is he telling ordinary Brits who are looking at, you know, their Tesco shop going through the roof um, Mm. not to ask for a pay rise because the impact on inflation he, he he sort of stopped shorter of where he where he ended up last time um yesterday but it was interesting what he was talking about when he was talking about the labor market because he suggested quite early on that around 80% of the inflationary pressure in the UK economy is coming from factors which were broadly out of the UK's kind of, not only could the bank not do much about them, but really the UK government could do much about them. So it's obviously supply chain gum ups across the world. That's obviously the war in Ukraine, pushing up food prices, et cetera, et cetera. He said only 20% of of what we've got pushing inflation northward is as a result of the labour market. But when you look at how tight it is today and you see wages creeping up, regardless, as you say, of what Andrew Bailey might say, it seems to suggest to me that there is an element of this that is becoming, to use that phrase, embedded in, in wage expectations, at least. Well, you know, that's that's clearly nonsense. You know, I mean, if you look at where CPI was at the end of last year, it was still above 5%. And the war in Ukraine, as far as I can check, or as far as I can remember, started on the February the 24th. So really, he's talking out of his hat a bit like other ex-MPC members who are blaming most of the inflation impulse on Brexit. Mm. Um, you look at US inflation, it's actually higher. Um, may not be tomorrow when we get the UK CPI numbers, which are due to include yeah. the 54% rise in energy prices, and we're expecting it at a record high for UK inflation, 9.1% on some estimates with the potential to go even higher. So I don't really know where he gets that 20% number Mm. from. And there is a lot government can do. For a start, they can stop putting tax rates up at inopportune moments. So there's that. Um, So there's all manner of things that the Bank of England could have done. For a start, at the end of last year, they could have got their guidance. um, They they Mm. could have got their guidance, um, you know, sort of intact and um, sorted out when they raised rates in December when they were looking as if they were going to raise them in November. But behind the curve, ultimately. And I think he's he's trying to shift blame. And I think all central banks are behind the curve. You look at the Federal Reserve, you look at the, you look at the ECB today, um, they're starting to indicate that they might be looking to potentially raise rates this summer by you know, sort of um, uh, floating the idea that they might go by 50 basis points. Mm. 
in July or, 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 or even September. So there is an acknowledgement that they need to get ahead of this. And when you look at where inflation is and where interest rates are, on a historical basis, interest rates are well below the level of inflation. When inflation was last, these sorts of levels, back in the 1980s and 90s, interest rates were above inflation. Not below, mm. above. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the difference is going to be significant tomorrow, as you say, when we get these inflation mm. numbers out. We are expecting, what, I think 9.1%? That is right. And obviously, we've also got PPI inflation, which yeah. is above 10%. So you've got those forward-looking indicators. Not for one moment am I suggesting that, you know, it's going to get really, really bad because I do also think that wage growth will continue to rise when the numbers come out in April. You've had all of these supermarkets and retailers pushing up their wages well above the level of CPI as it was at the time. So wages will follow inflation higher. Obviously, they will still lag behind. The hope being that the bulk of it, so 30 or 40%, the bulk of it, as we come to the end of this year, we will see inflation fall back below mm. the level of wages. And I think that is really, I think, what the Bank of England is hoping will happen. And certainly, I think, um, we're all hoping that will happen. Yeah, none more so than Rishi Sunak, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, mm. Some more data out at the end of the week. We had US retail sales today. The UK will, will offer its own up at the end of the week. But are we starting to see elements of the, I mean, the US and the UK, it's quite difficult to read the two across at the moment, largely because of the difference in the energy market. But how were the US retail sales today? They're pretty decent, actually. Um, came in at 0.9%. They were expecting a rise of 1%, so slightly below expectations. But the previous month's numbers in March were revised higher. And every month this year, US retail sales have risen. But you're quite right. Um, the energy market is different. Obviously, natural gas prices are much lower. Obviously, the US government hasn't imposed tax rises on its population. And the US economy does slightly have slightly higher levels of savings on the back of three different fiscal stimulus packages. So certainly, I think in terms of demand in the US economy, there is an awful lot more of it, even if consumer mm. confidence levels are lower. As far as the UK economy is concerned, apart from January retail sales, which are fairly decent, retail sales since then have been negative. And I think that is the worry as we head towards the second quarter of this year. It's unlikely that consumer spending is going to be a significant driver mm. of UK second quarter GDP particularly this month, when consumers are going to be basically counting their pennies when it comes to, you know, obviously the rise of energy mm. bills, tax rises, council tax rises, and other utility bill rises. But I am still fairly optimistic that as long as wages keep some semblance of trying to keep up, that things won't be as bad, perhaps, mm. as a lot of people are predicting. And certainly the pound has popped higher today on the basis of the fact that we could well see the Bank of England have to go an awful lot harder than they were originally guiding at their last meeting. Mm. It's now above 124, the pound against the dollar, which is welcome Indeed. because it also pulls the inflationary impulse out of the exchange rate um, mechanism mm. that basically pulls inflation in by virtue of the value that it's sliding against the dollar. Mm. 
One thing we should just talk about on consumer spending just before you go, Michael, is around mm. how much of that, particularly in the US, a lot of it driven by credit. Imagine a similar story yeah. in the UK as people start to start to employ their flexible friends a little more. That obviously has long-term implications. Um, and interest rates will naturally mean that, you know, if if any kind of consumer spending you know, growth is, you know, if there is any kind of consumer spending growth, maybe if that's driven by credit, actually, that's almost more of a problem in the long term than a short-term slowdown. It absolutely is. I mean, and I think one of the things I did notice about the latest US consumer credit numbers for February and March, February consumer credit rose by $51 billion and then was followed by, and that's a record um, from a fairly weak number back in January. Um, so there is a concern there that US consumers are starting to leverage up at a time when US rates are going higher. Now that suggests to me that perhaps there isn't the level of excess savings that there is in the US economy than an awful lot of people think there is. Because if there was, why would you put money on a credit card if you've got it in a savings account? Because we all know that credit card interest rates are quite high mm. and they're not going to get any lower if the Fed continues to push rates higher. So I think there is a worry there. Yeah. Um, whether or not we are right to be concerned about that, only time will tell. But certainly the last two months for US consumer credit we did see a massive jump in borrowing on, on on US credit cards. So that is a concern, mm. certainly going forward. Yeah, it could well be that when we looked at the savings numbers in the aggregate, an awful lot of those savings were concentrated amongst a very small part of the population. That may well be the case. That certainly looks like it's mm. the case in the UK, at least, perhaps in the US as well. Michael, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That was Michael Hewson from CMC Markets, and that's all from us here at the City View podcast today. We'll see you again tomorrow. 